O Lord of all things, in the midst of things temporal, help us to cherish and abide in the things eternal. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. It really is so good to be back. As I've told a few people this week, I love this church, I love this job, and it is good to be back at both. Back on Sunday, April 16th, I said that these three months of sabbatical would be a gift, and they were. Thank you for your encouragement and support to take this sabbatical, and thank you for welcoming me back. From what I've heard and what, from what I knew would be true, the staff was amazing in keeping our ministries going. The vestry and wardens provided solid leadership. Your faithfulness and commitment to this parish continued, and Father Tom did an outstanding job. I am grateful for the sabbatical, and I am grateful to be back. In today's gospel text from Matthew, Jesus talks about a pearl of great price. So as a way of easing back into preaching, I want to mention a few treasures from sabbatical that I pray will yield fruit in our ministry together for years to come at St. Luke's. The first is that I had a chance to deeply rest. I compare it to something like the difference between a nap and a good night's sleep. Now naps can be refreshing but we all know how good and restoring it can be to have a Saturday morning with nothing on the calendar, a quiet house where you can just sleep in without any interruptions or guilt. And what we know from sleep science is that we need that sort of deep REM sleep. That's when our bodies do the work of recovery. That's when our minds are set free to dream. And that's a part of what this Sabbath time was for me, a chance to be restored and to dream. And between that time to rest and having the amazing blessing of having visited 34 different cathedrals and churches in England, Scotland, and Ireland, I also came away with a sharper sense of clarity around my leadership. And some of that dreaming that I had the chance to do, and we know from scripture that God often speaks to us in dreams, I was given a clearer image of what is needed from a priest in 2023. But the pearl of great price that really undergirds all of this growth and rest that I experienced on sabbatical was that my sense of faith was deepened and widened. Going to dozens of morning prayers and Eucharists, 34 even songs in cathedrals, and several Sundays in a pew as a family did what it needed to do. I had several palpable experiences of the Holy Spirit. And I don't at all mean this to sound pietistic or sentimental, but rather in a deep and an abiding way, I got to spend time with Jesus and was fed by the riches of his grace, mercy, peace, and love. Without question, that nearness to Jesus is something that I needed more than I realized. And it is something that will forever enrich my faith and ministry. As I said before I went away on sabbatical, I know that unfortunately, not many people are given that sort of time for sustained rest. But I encourage you to do what you can to spend some intentional time 
being in a different rhythm, one that is intended to make you more aware of the Father's love for you. So maybe instead of taking one week off work for vacation, can you string two weeks together and get a little bit more time off? Maybe it's finding a day for a spiritual retreat. Maybe auditing a class at Hood Seminary. Whatever it is, I pray that we will all be given and take the time, the space, and the resources to receive these pearls of grace, this treasure of Jesus' love for us. And if I can help in making that possible for you, please let me know. At its core, this time of sabbatical was an opportunity to take a break from all the things temporal so that I could be attuned to the things eternal. Or as one of the Psalms puts it, it was a chance to lift up my eyes to the hills. Or in less churchy language, it was a chance to get away from the demands of routines, meetings, and emails, and have more time to focus on beauty, love, quietness, and prayer. There's a book called The Tyranny of the Urgent. I have not read it, and I do not plan to. It's one of those books where the title is so good you don't need to read the rest of it. The Tyranny of the Urgent. Or we might say the tyranny of the temporal. We have cars that need to get inspected, kids that need to be transported, yards that need to be mowed, news to be informed about, phone calls to be made, events to be planned, groceries that need to be purchased. These are all important things, but they're a part of that steady drumbeat of modern life that just drains our energy, monopolizes our minds, overwhelms our schedules, and distracts us from eternity. And because of technology, we are oh so keenly aware of it all. Now the media gives us plenty of temporal things to focus on. Celebrity gossip, sports scores, court decisions, battle reports from Ukraine, stock market fluctuations, and computers, phones, even now our watches, have us counting not only the minutes, but the emails, the likes, shares, calories, steps, and account balances were overwhelmed by temporal things. What's that mean though? What, what, what do I mean when I say things are temporal? Well, it's the beautiful language of this week's collect, but it's not really a word that we use much these days. Temporal relates to time, yes, but the way the prayer uses it is it's a way of saying things that are passing away. The vast majority of what we do, or what we do not do, will have no bearing on the future of Earth's history. Truth be told, most of what we do or do not do won't even matter to us in a month. If it does, it probably won't in a year. The temporal is temporary. Now, temporal things still matter, and they are important, because if we never attend to those daily tasks that make life and society possible, things are going to fall apart pretty quickly. But our attention and anxiety about temporal things ought also to be temporal. We still beat ourselves up over a mistake we made years ago. I know you do it, because I do it too. Yes, of course, there's a time and a place for analysis, but not obsession. We put too much energy into things temporal 
appearances, assets, and things that we cannot change. And the result of this over-focusing on temporal things is that we are left with neither the energy nor the time for the things eternal, which are the things that will not fade away, things like love, relationships, mercy, generosity, and service. As the prophet Isaiah puts it, the grass withers and the flower fades. And as Jesus adds, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Our problem is that we give eternal significance to temporal things, which is another way of saying that we are idolaters because God alone is eternal. And this means that the things of God are how we participate in eternity. St. Paul writes, love never ends. Jesus, speaking about the importance of forgiveness, tells us that what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven, meaning that mercy and forgiveness are everlasting. When Jesus says, whoever gives a cup of water to one in need will never lose their reward, he's telling us that generosity never goes out of style. When a woman anoints Jesus' feet before his death, he says of her, wherever the good news is proclaimed, what she has done will be told of her, reminding us that service to others is eternal. St. Mary's song, the Magnificat, reminds us that when our souls magnify the Lord, it is a blessing for all generations, meaning worship puts us in harmony with eternity. These are the things eternal, love, mercy, generosity, service, and praise. Those are the treasures in the field, the pearls of great price, the yeast that raises the leaven of our lives. When Jesus speaks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not telling us about the afterlife. He's speaking about the kingdom of heaven as the world as God intends it, a world ruled only by the love of God. The kingdom of heaven comes on earth as it is in heaven when we abide in these things eternal. When we're able to let the temporal things be just that, temporal, then we are able to participate more fully in those things eternal and encounter that peace that passes all understanding. As we read in Philippians, Beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So you might spend some time thinking about what you think about. If spending more time and energy on the things eternal instead of obsessing about things temporal sounds like something you want or need, and you are not given the tremendous blessing of a three-month sabbatical to do that, how can you try? Well, I'll leave you with two suggestions. One of the most important and worthy of memorizing passages in all of Scripture is the crescendo of chapter 8 of Romans that we heard read this morning with a sort of emotion that really ought to be there when we hear it. For I am convinced 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason why St. Paul could focus on the things eternal in the midst of so many temporal challenges is that he is so utterly and completely convinced that the eternal love of the Father was given and shown in Jesus Christ. When we are convinced of God's love for us, a lot of those eternal things become not only possible, but natural. What are you convinced of? You might give yourself some time, maybe even schedule a half-day retreat somewhere to think about that. The second bit of guidance that I can offer is to consider the short parable of the treasure hidden in a field. If you stumbled upon a treasure in that day, there were no safe safety deposit boxes in which to store it. No insurance policies that you could take out to protect it. No fireproof safe to put it in. You had to hide it. And in order to have a rightful claim to the treasure, you had to own the land on which the treasure was hidden. Imagine, you have to buy acres and acres of land just to get the one little hole where you put the treasure. But that's how it worked. It reminds me of a bride who one time chose this as the gospel passage at her wedding, which is often not read at weddings. And so when we asked her, why did you choose this passage? She said of her soon-to-be husband, well, he's a whole lot of field, but there's a treasure in there too. In other words, it's a package deal. And the things that the church has lifted up for generations really are a treasure map. Prayer takes us to that treasure of peace. Forgiveness frees us to receive the gift of reconciliation. Generosity allows us to participate in God's abundant grace. The sacraments are sure and certain encounters with the risen and living Jesus. Reading scripture draws us into the promises of God. Being in beloved community reminds us of that love that is making all things well. You don't have to try to find eternity all by yourself. There are saints who have gone before us to show us the way, and there are saints around us so that we can walk that journey together. Buying a field, though, it takes the discipline of saving up. It takes the investment of one's resources, and sometimes it means taking on more than you really want. Sometimes being in community is difficult because it means we have to deal with other people, people we might disagree with, people we might not have much in common with, people we might find to be rather annoying. But it's a package deal. The treasure comes with a field. So if you don't like the field, or you think the field has too many weeds and pests in it, remember this is where the treasure is. The things eternal are so often found in community. And so the more we participate in the life of the church, the more we align ourselves with the things eternal. Holy Spirit, Help us to let temporal things, 
remain temporal and so draw our hearts to you, so guide our minds, so fill our imaginations that we might be convinced of your eternal love. Amen.